Hi, welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea, and I'm a certified retirement coach. Today is Thursday, August 19th, 2021, and I get the privilege of talking to Mike Montague today. Did I say that? Hey, everybody. Did I say your name right? You got it. You nailed it. Excellent. Okay. And so Mike is is uh, helping people to be more playful. And I think particularly when we come into retirement age and we, we've lived a long life of doing our jobs and sacrificing ourselves for other people, it can kind of wear us down. And Mike wants us to become more playful humans. He has a website called playfulhumans.com and he has a podcast called the Playful Humans Podcast. And this is to help you combat burnout. So if you're younger and you're listening, it's good for you too. But our focus today, of course, is on, on retirement and um, midlife changes and things like that, where we might really be starting to feel burned out in life overall. So welcome, Mike, to the podcast. So great to be here, Kim. And I think you nailed it. There are kind of like three spots that I, I focus in on. One is if you're young, you're coming out of college and you're choosing a career, don't choose one that's going to burn you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's that middle-aged group where I happen to be in my 40s where you're like, Ooh, I've checked a lot of boxes and it looks like it's just going to be more of the same here for the next 20 years. I probably need to do something more interesting. (laughs) And then I think there's that retirement age where we've all, you know, promised this mythical happily ever after that doesn't exist. And you go, oh, shoot, now I have to find something that I want to do. Uh, and it's another another pivot and inflection point. I'm really excited to talk about that side of it because I usually talk about the first two a lot more. Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad. Uh, first, tell me about yourself, though. What's your background? So I have a, a little bit of a crazy story. It all makes sense if you follow the threads. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with the playful human side. So uh, when I came out of college, I didn't want to be a computer nerd. I, I was very good at websites. Uh, this was 25 years ago, so that was a big deal. It's a little bit easier to make websites now. Um, but I didn't want to be a nerd and sit in a room by myself behind a computer all day. I wanted to be cool and be on the radio. So I was Romeo, thanks to my last name, uh, on Mix 93.3 here in Kansas City, the the top 40 station. Mm. And I was a DJ in bars and clubs and hosted karaoke uh, events and all kinds of fun things. I got to open for Billy Idol and Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons and really had a great career throughout my 20s. But I kind of saw that um, there's no cool 40-year-old DJs. Um, and I knew that there was kind of a, a shelf life to this. You could certainly keep going in radio. But what I discovered there in radio was, uh, guess what the job is? Sitting in a room by yourself behind a computer all day. Uh <laughs> And it pays like a sixth of what computer programmers make. So I kind of realized that even though I was living my childhood dream, my, you know, fifth grade self didn't know what the life of a DJ actually was like. And the hours and the pay are are really bad. So I transitioned into sales training and doing corporate speaking. And I I found that that is really a nice sweet spot where you can kind of work as much as you want to and, you can get paid much better and you can still have fun in front of a live audience uh, in doing that performance side of things. So I've done that for the last 10 or 12 years now. And the playful human side, I've decided to swing back towards the playful. And I'm trying to hit the sweet spot where I'm still talking about meaningful things and helping people grow and, and live their best life. But I'm also doing it from a playful spin. So I kind of found the DJ side was 
kind of frivolous and, and you know it didn't pay very well people didn't take it very seriously and the sales training pays really well everybody wants to sell more make more money and grow their business but it wasn't playful enough and now i found the sweet spot where i can help people play for a living or i can help people maximize their life in a playful way but still bring psychology education and and meaning to it if that makes sense yeah so is this your own company did you found this it is. Yeah. Playful Humans is my COVID baby. Uh, it was called Creative Nerdery before that. But I, I started the podcast and started doing game show hosting about a year and a half ago uh, in the, when the pandemic happens. I see. This is pretty cool. That's, that's pretty. I like the title, too, because it's really clear for the most part what you're talking about. Playful Humans. Yeah. Creative Nerdery was not that way for me. So creative nerdery was my family's term for like geeking out and, you know, being silly and, mm-hmm. and putting on puppet shows or whatever for our parents. They'd be like, Oh, great. Here comes some more creative nerdery from, from Mike and the gang. <laughs> right. And we'd go in the back room and make up skits and stuff like that. And uh, it was, it was fun. And it was a great term for what I was talking about is expressing your creativity and not being afraid to geek out and be passionate about things. Yeah. But I found that it just didn't hit right with people. Uh, people my age and younger have kind of reclaimed the nerd term, uh, thanks to, uh, revenge of the nerds, <laughs> but people older than me didn't respond to it and want to affiliate it with it. And then also when I talked about creativity, sometimes people think that's a mythical thing or a magic talent you're born with. And I think when you think playful instead, everybody had genius levels of, of playfulness when they were a kid you just lost it along the way. You got too serious and you tried to to be an adult instead. And I want to help people rediscover that power of play. What kind of play are you talking about? Are you talking about games like relay races or baseball or, or make-believe or what? what's your definition here? That's a great question. And it's all of the above. Hmm. So, For me, play has some very specific attributes. It's actually been studied by a lot of people too, psychologists and and a definition of it. And there's some specific things where you get into this flow, playful state that it's some sort of challenge that you're working on or some sort of puzzle you're solving, but it doesn't have any actual meaning or um, weight to the circumstances, right? Like if if I pay you $100 to write me a poem, that is a job. So play is writing a poem for yourself without any meaning that you can throw in the trash when you're done. Okay. Uh, And then there's this also uh, a positive feeling in the environment. And it's when your inhibitions drop and you go into that flow state. So the Portuguese actually have a word for it. It's called desbundar. And that's the the lowering of your inhibitions and your self-awareness during play. And I think we all recognize that. So it could be any activity. You know, it might be, you know, uh, playing Marco Polo with your, your grandkids, or it might be painting, or it might be doing a puzzle, or playing a video game, or it might be walking outside, or doing some sort of bike ride. It might be creating and writing. It could be any type of thing that is getting your full attention and getting you into the moment, into the now, so that you're you're present and fully engaged in the activity. So what that kind of reminds me of is this morning, I just 
took my grandson in to see his preschool for the first time. And Mm -hmm. there's just different activities around the room. There's stuff outside, there's stuff inside, things you can tinker with, the stuff you can dress up with and look at yourself, other people to hang out with. And it almost sounds like something like that, where you're just kind of in your own zone doing whatever you find interesting at the moment, either solo or with other people. Would that be similar? Yeah, I think it's it's best when it's with other people, but there's certainly different levels of, of solo play. Um, and I think you're right. You, you mentioned a couple of great things where when you're looking at the difference between work and play or uh, some sort of, of struggle and then some sort of flow, it's exactly when you're using that creativity and, and things, not in a way that's necessarily frivolous, but in a way that is playful. So I'm dressing up to make somebody else laugh. Or there's even a type of play where you're a facilitator of other people's play. And that's one of my top three. So um, I love to go out and um, pl- like f- facilitate game shows for other people or host a party or barbecue outside for my friends. And I get pleasure from creating pleasure in other people. And I really get in that moment watching the audience and reacting to them and making sure that they're having the most amount of fun possible. So it's really any activity, but it's whatever gives you that moment of, of play of passion of even fulfillment that you're doing something that matters and and you're using your life to its fullest possibility, but it doesn't matter to the point that if it stops, it's going to be bad or, or that you have to keep doing it. It's something that you're choosing to do because it's fun. I like that. Now, like with most prescriptions in life, you know, you should be exercising 20 to 40 minutes a day and you should be eating these kinds of foods and not that kind of food. Is there a prescriptive remedy for or protocol here for play is there a certain number of minutes we should be playing or or is there a goal here um i think it's kind of like the exercise and and other stuff too where i would recommend a minimum of 30 minutes of doing something for yourself but with your audience we're talking about people that are retired hopefully most of your day is play Uh, so the maximum i would say is as much as you can handle without doing damage to yourself or your, you know, your income in your life. Mm-hmm. So if you're in retirement, hopefully you're spending the majority of your day doing that, but you still have to have some neutral time. I- I'm a big fan of mindfulness and meditation and just spending time centering is great. And we all have to sleep and we all have to have recovery time too. So depending on what your play is, you can't solve puzzles for 12 hours a day. You can't uh, walk outside for 12 hours a day uh, without really draining your batteries to the point that it'll break down. So I think there's a sweet spot there. Uh, I think hopefully you can do something that's pleasurable just for yourself, at least an hour a day. Uh, The NFL has the play 60 campaign. And I think that's a great goal to -hmm. start with, but then find out what that right balance is for you. I think about energy management much more than time management when it comes to play. Okay. Yeah. I like that. And I know with retired people, sometimes it starts out being very heavy on play during retirement and then it becomes, um, they want to have 
a schedule. They want to have a place that they have to be where someone's counting on them to show up for volunteering or they want to do some consulting or something like that. So it is a matter of balancing what feels right for you. But um, it sounds like play should be a big part of our, our lives. And um, I, I, I question like, what are you finding? How, how often are people playing? Well, playful people are doing it a lot. And I think you see in in children, right? They don't have as many responsibilities. So as long as they're not in school, hopefully they're playing in school too. Uh, But they have plenty of time to play and they can do a lot several times uh, a week. And it's great for them to be in activities and get outside and and play and, and do all kinds of fun stuff. But it's also true when you hit retirement that you, like you said, you need to be active in your older years. You need to be using your mind and playfulness has been proven to stave off Alzheimer's and and dementia Yeah, and using your brain and being creative and and pushing yourself helps keep you sharp. So I love what you said, even about keeping a schedule. I know people that are very playful typically have the weekly bunko game or, or bingo, or they're out and doing stuff. They're playing golf on a regular basis they're finding what that is and they're they're holding themselves accountable to do it so that they don't get too busy and forget or they don't get too tired and lazy and just sit and watch television mm-hmm. <laughs> either. And so I do think those commitments help a lot as long as they continue to be freely chosen. Yeah, and I th- think I this is just I I'm older than you so it's probably something I've just noticed but you know sometimes my kids would show me a YouTube video and it would be of somebody who um, had learned some amazing trick on a bicycle where you could just balance on the front wheel of the bicycle and hop around with it and do some pretty cool things or do some yeah. with the ball. And I would point out to them, you know, that person was out there doing that over and over again, trying to get better just for the fun of it. It wasn't because there's a sport that is going to take him somewhere or it's not going <laughs> right. to get a college scholarship for that. He's just doing it because it's fun. And I, I'm, guessing that in this era where it's so easy to access videos and games on your phone and your home computers and your consoles, people aren't getting out there and doing that as much. They're not going out there and learning to do the really weird thing over and over again because they've got something they can stream and watch on, on their phones. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is really my mission and what I'm, I'm fighting an uphill battle against right now is that, we have reality TV that is not reality at all. <laughs> it's yeah. all stitched and, and scripted and fake, but people feel like they're living vicariously through these people on television. Right. Yeah. And, and so they're not living their life. They're watching somebody else live uh, a crazy life. Right. Yeah. And social media is the same way. It's not social at all. It's the opposite mm-hmm. of social. And so we feel like we're connecting with our friends. We feel like we're being social, but we're not actually being social in a way that's fulfilling and rewarding to us. And the same thing you mentioned in YouTube videos or other things, there's there's a couple problems with that. Number one is we're not actually doing it. So I had to stop watching sports uh, here in the last 10 years because I realized that I was watching sports instead of playing them now as I get older. And it's like, well it doesn't help me to watch 24 year old (laughs) kids play soccer. I need to get out there and play soccer. Yeah. That's what I enjoyed about it when I was a kid. That's what I love about sports is playing it. Not, not watching other people do it. And I think the same thing is true for everything you mentioned. So whether that's, you know, watching juggling videos or trick shot videos or, uh, bicycling and sports and skating or, uh, 
art and creativity and music, anything, watching somebody else do it is not the same. It's a very poor, unfulfilling facsimile of doing the same thing. And us as humans, we can trick our brains because we do feel some of the same endorphins and emotions when we watch people do it and we can empathize with them and, and feel like we get what that experience is, but it's not the same as doing it. And it's certainly not the same reward. So that's why we all feel empty now. And especially during COVID when we're sitting at home and not doing anything, our, our life flashes before us. It goes super fast. I don't know about you, but I've had to add a year to all of my memories. Now. <laughs> and people are like, hey, when did we last see you? And I was like, God, two years? Nope, it's three. I forgot. We skipped one there. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. And you- it's all because of that time compression. So when you have the same day, when you get up, go to the couch or go to the computer and watch YouTube, you're doing that same pattern. You're not getting new experiences. You're not making new memories. You're watching other people make memories where if you get out of the house and you go do the thing, you're in a new environment, you're experiencing that time and your brain has to process those as new memories. So your year seems longer. So what happens in a time like COVID is every day feels like a week, but every week feels like a day because there's no novelty to it. So the same thing can happen in retirement. If you're out making new memories, your life feels longer. It feels like a life well lived, where if you're in some sort of habit or routine where you're not challenging yourself, you're not experiencing any type of novelty or making memories, it just, it doesn't need to be stored. And so our brain deletes it and we, 10 years can flash by like a year and we go, what did we do in the last 10 years? And it can be really sad. Oh no, that sounds really depressing. I, I like the point you brought up though about, you, you know, watching something is just not the same as doing it. I know at one point my kids wanted a tetherball set for the backyard and I can imagine if you're watching tetherball on television, which I'm not sure has ever been televised, <laughs> but if you're watching somebody play tetherball and you're rooting for one side or the other, I mean, it's fun. You get into it. But I remember when I was playing with them because they were good and they were better than I was. And I was trying so hard to hit the ball and they were taller than me. And it was kind of a joke, <laughs> but I remember like my face was practically splitting from the smile. I was smiling so hard and having such a great time doing it. Totally different experience than if I was just sitting on the sidelines rooting for somebody else to win oh, yeah. with the ball. You know, you're, you, you, you brought up those endorphins. That, that's so important to be out there really feeling that, to get that rush from being a part of the whole activity and, and playing with other people. That's, that's, some really, that's neat that you're doing this. It's a great mission. Well, you nailed it, but let's hit this for, for our audience here too. And, and if you're listening, think about play and, and what Kim just described there. If you're playing tetherball, you're using your muscles, you're getting your heart rate up, you're, you're smiling and laughing, you're enjoying it, you're moving. Where if you're not playing and you're just sitting there watching TV, your heart rate's slowing, your muscles are atrophying and, um, you're not challenging your, yourself at all. And so your brain's not firing and making new connections and stuff and overcoming challenges. And so what happens is we have a, a decline if we don't actually do things. When we have these poor facsimiles of things, they degrade over time. But it's been proven in scientific studies that the benefits of play are amazing. People that are playful are more attractive because they smile more and they're more fit. Uh, they have more sex. They have more creativity. They make more money. It's amazing all no. of the benefits. 
and there are virtually no side effects. I mean, can you think of anybody, you know, like I said, you have to really go hard uh, that would be playing too much to the point that they would, would actually have any bad side effects. Yeah. I knew somebody like that and he was <laughs> trying to prove he was younger than he was and he was always breaking some bone in his body. <laughs> so that's, that's pushing play a little too far. And that's, that's another issue going on there, I think, but just yeah, and playing. choosing the types of play too, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, doing Definitely. drugs is gonna gonna hurt you. That's not play. That's that's being frivolous and, and damaging and distracting yourself, yeah. right? The play we're talking about is engaging your full body and mind and, and heart and spirit so that you're living, you know, life to its fullest in the moment. That type type of stuff is usually good. But you know, people do extreme sports and things too. So if you're cliff jumping or, or something like that. You can certainly hurt yourself <laughs> doing it. There can be side effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fun prize is you got something to share at the next party. So, and that's exactly a great story. As, as a retirement coach, that's always something I want people to focus on is what are you going to talk about when you go to a party? And if all you ever do is one thing or God forbid, you're spending all your time binge watching because I mean, it's one thing if you're housebound and you really can't get out of your house, you can't get out right. of your bed, but probably not going to these big parties, but if you're going to these parties with all these people and they say, what have you been doing? Well, I watched this series. I watched that series. How much more fun is it to say, I went out and did this and I met up with so-and-so and I did that. You know, it's just, you've got, you've got more excitement that you're bringing to who you are and it's going to be very infectious. Other people are going to want to talk to you because you know, you're alive, you're living. It's, it's uh, people want to be around someone like that. Uh, I 100% agree. And I think you nailed it again there. I interviewed a uh, concierge to billionaires. His name is Steve Sims on my podcast. And he said, billionaires, that's what they want. They want the cocktail story, right? They want to say that they went to the Galapagos or, or went down undersea to see the Titanic or these billionaires going to space now, right? Like ultimate, they're looking <laughs> for those stories because they can yeah. buy everything or item that they want, right? They can stop working and watch Netflix if they want, but they want to say that they accomplished something. They want to have those great stories. And I find that incredibly rewarding too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like to brag and, and tell all my stories, but when I think about, uh, being fired by Billy Idol or hosting game shows. When I tell people I host game shows in, in, on the nights and weekends at my day job, they're like, what? I didn't even know that's a thing. How is that even possible? And they're like, on TV and who for and how does that work? And and it creates an interesting story that wakes everybody out of the normal pattern of, ah, how's the weather out there? Ah, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what'd you watch on Netflix? You know, what are you binging? Uh, those are all boring patterns that, that everybody can fall into. Yeah. So let's go back to that a little bit. It does sound very interesting that you host game shows. So, so tell me what's that, what, what are you talking about there? Are you talking about like family feud, the price is right or things that you've made up here? Well, a little bit of all of the above, but yes, the, the ones we normally play are the normal game uh, frameworks that you would know. So, um, you know, we're not allowed to use those names, uh, okay. but Yes, uh, all the big game shows where you solve the puzzles and you guess the surveys and you name uh, what things cost and you get 60 seconds to win it or you get uh, you try to match up with uh, your partner and your teammates for the words. We play all of those. And then sometimes I make up creative games. So for companies that have a corporate event or a trade show or a product launch or something, and they want to do a a specific event where they have questions or trivia for 
their company or, or their product will design games specifically for them as well. And normally they're private parties. So it could be a, a family party get together as small as six people, or I've done up to hundreds of people for Google and Facebook and uh, the San Francisco 49ers and Qualcomm and uh, all kinds of, of large organizations that wanted to have virtual company parties and, and needed to have a virtual game show. And then here in Kansas City, we have a place where we put on live game shows for for people and, and companies that come to see us and get to actually spin the big wheel or wow. uh, drop those chips that go plink, plink, plink all the way to the bottom <laughs> and stuff. So it's super fun. That is so fun. It sounds really great. Um, on your site, you have the Playful Humans Clubhouse. Tell me about that. So I wanted to collect a community of other playful humans. Uh, one of the problems that I find is a lot of people are just way too serious. Uh, and so it's actually hard to find people that want to go out and be silly or aren't afraid to to go play or uh, build Lego as an adult or um, do their favorite activity. So I created this community and podcast to talk to people who are playing for a living, who are, are playful people, and they're going to be fun and creative and whatever they do. And then also anybody that just wants reminders and ideas to, to play. So just like the game shows, a lot of people haven't, um, uh, they don't have ideas. They didn't know what it existed. They weren't, we're trying to answer questions that you can't Google, right? How do you have the most fun? How do you live the best life? How do you feel the most fulfilled and make great memories? You can't just Google answers to that. So we're trying to do it as a community to share ideas and, and be creative and then give props to each other when we do cool stuff. So share what you're working on, your painting or your poem, or uh, we have magicians and jugglers that, that share, you know, videos of their clips uh, and stuff. And, it's a, a super fun community to be a part of. And I'm just glad that I get to host it and, and create things for fun people. It's just it's such a wonderful thing. You have a quiz on there that people can take. And um, it's just to try and figure out what kind of a playful person you are. Is that the point of the quiz? Yeah. So we've talked about it already a little bit, but there's different play personality types. There's actually 10 of them. So you might be theoretical. You love learning. You might like uh, body play where you jump and run, or you might like to solve puzzles or host things for other people, or you might like practical jokes and knock-knock jokes and, and you know, bad dad jokes. I, I have a few of those. <laughs> um, so this kind of short quiz, it's just a few questions, helps you kind of pick your top three, and then it'll give you a few ideas on what you can do about it, how you, can, how you can lean into those and do those more so that you can have more fun in your life. Okay, so like I took the quiz and mine was 33% director, 17% ah. the athlete, and 17% the deep thinker. So um, I was surprised particularly by the athlete because I'm not an athletic person. But um, So what, what does that tell me about myself? How should I be playing? So that's very similar to me. So the director is what we were talking about, where it makes sense with your podcast here, because we're both podcasters, that you're trying to facilitate something for other people. So you get fun uh, out of asking the questions and creating the environment or or planning a, a party and stuff, which is is great. Uh, you also have that deep thinker and learner that you like thinking about and talking about deep subjects, uh, which is fun. 
And then the athlete is a little bit of a, a misnomer. So that's really just what we consider body play in the psychological world, which is um, you seem to enjoy walking or moving or jumping and uh, a physical sensation part to that too. So okay. do you do anything for fun like that? And in, in that side of things, not necessarily in competition or sport, because the competitor is actually a different type the people that like to win it no matter what they're doing is I, a different I got eight percent on that one but yeah. um no i i would just got back from the community swimming pool with my grandson and my son we went over there and swam and i thought that was great fun i love to go in the ocean and i like yeah, that's I the idea. dance and um you know i like to i do like the ocean a lot i like to be out there i like to walk around out there and dance and stuff like that so yeah those are i the love to dance like. too do you uh you freestyle or do you know any types of dance freestyle and then i had taken some tahitian dancing a couple of years ago mm. and that's still something i really enjoy i'm not i good. did ballroom dancing classes and i found that a ton of fun i mean you laugh so hard when you mess up moves <laughs> and you're, you're learning and being awkward and and stuff with people and uh, and it was great you know physically too to be flexible and and build muscle yeah. or, uh, or or tone doing that so and that's really good way. for dementia too that that can really yeah. help fight uh, either having dementia or manifesting it so that you know that you have it the dance lessons are really really good for you to do and you're right it's just fun i that reminds me i was taking um what do you call it? Line dancing. I took line dancing with a friend over where she lives right before covid hit and i was not good at it but it's fun. Every time you have some little accomplishment, like you've got something right, you feel so good about yourself. It's just fun to push yourself when you're playing. That is the difference. You're not doing it, I'm guessing, to compete or make yourself yes. better than other people. You're doing it because it's just fun. And it's okay if you make mistakes. Yep. You nailed it again. It's when you're leveling up that you get that sense of accomplishment and fulfillment that makes it so powerful that mm -hmm. once you become really good at something, you have something to lose, right? If you make a mistake, you're like, oh, that's not like me. You know, it's just, but the opposite is true when you're bad at something. It's awesome to be terrible at something and learn a new instrument or something because um, when you get something right, then every time you get something right, it's a, a good positive feeling and you're, mm -hmm. you're expected to be bad at it, right? But once yeah. you become good, it starts to feel like a job and that you have to work at this and you have to, you can't make any mistakes and that's when it's not fun anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I like that distinction. Yeah. And in terms of cost, sorry, my dog's groaning over here. In terms <laughs> of, of cost, and I, I mean, I'm guessing play can be very variable depending upon your income. There's got to be something anybody can do. I think, yeah, that's the best part is sometimes free is the most fun because that's when you're using your creativity, right? So mm -hmm. Uh, I always think about children because they have it so right. It's what we naturally do. We just grow out of it. You know, kids give up on sports now at the age of 13 because it becomes a job and, and not rewarding or fun anymore. Um, and kids have genius levels of creativity. But by the time they graduate college, only one in 10 uh, are considered above average creatively uh, and stuff. So it just drains out of us. But if you can get back to that and you know, you're playing with paper and cardboard or, or pens and stuff that are cheap and you're drawing or creating your own games and challenges with stuff. Sometimes you can even game, gamify mundane things like housework and stuff and just uh, time yourself or, you know, try and throw the trash in the in the bin from further away mm -hmm. uh, each time you take it out or whatever. Like that's 
the kind of fun creativity stuff that doesn't cost anything. And then I think it's worth well worth investing in. So I spend probably um, a fair amount of, of my income, but I wouldn't say exorbitant. I, I still, you know, take care of everything else. But I, Lego is not a cheap habit. No, no, it's <laughs> and not. I have a lot of Lego <laughs> that are about, you know, 100 to 200 a piece. Uh, but I love doing it and I love doing a craft that you have something to show mm-hmm. at the end of it. So I have that story and I have that memory of, of doing it. And then um, I feel like they're good investments where I'm going to waste a hundred dollars going out to dinner with my friends and not have anything to show for it, you know, but the memory after three hours and and have to eat again. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like spending a hundred dollars on a hobby is not uh, a bad thing, right? If I spend a hundred dollars on some paint and some easel that I can use for the rest of the year, or I just got a, a bike membership for 150 to a, a shared community electric bike program mm-hmm. they have here in Kansas City that I can ride these electric bikes eight, up to 80 minutes a day for 150 bucks wow. uh, for the whole year. Oh, God. So that's very low cost. And so now I can go ride bikes every time I want. And I don't have to feel bad about buying a brand new bike for, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. Um, and I can just use it whenever the the weather's bearable around here. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's good. I like that. It's a, it's a good investment. And I agree when you're doing something like I just, I just paid for a membership to the community pool and nobody goes there. So it's pretty empty. And I go there just to hang out in the shallow end with my kids and yeah. my grandson because it's just fun. It's just, we're not doing anything. There's nothing structured. There's no stress. We're just hanging out in the water and having fun, getting cooled off, getting some exercise and, it's a it's a worthwhile investment, and um, certainly art supplies are expensive. But when you have something to show, as you point out, it's pretty neat and pretty fulfilling. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. Well, I would like to thank you so much for being on the show, Mike. And um, I want to let people know they can find you, Mike Montague, at playfulhumans.com. Go on there, take the quiz. It's a nice looking site too. And you've got a blog and you've got the Playful Humans Clubhouse. You can check out there too. And then he's also got a podcast called the Playful Humans Podcast. And I can't even imagine how much fun that would be just talking to you here. I'm sure you've got some really neat people you talk to and it'd be really fun to listen to. It's so much fun. Not all of these guests have come out, but I've interviewed a guy that was Bozo the Clown for six years. Uh, Justin Guarini from American Idol, the founder of Comedy Central, um, jugglers and magicians from America's Got Talent, one that fooled Penn and Teller on uh, Penn and Teller's Foolish Show, and lots of fun, cool people that are playful, and and some people that are not as famous, but they have even more fun jobs, like a Foley artist is the uh, episode that just came out today. And he does, you know, the sound effects for movies. So oh. he's uh, breaking, uh, you know, zucchini and, and celery for bones and, and dropping iPhones yeah. and things to see what sounds they make. And that to me is just super fun and interesting to, to learn about. That is fun. I'm going to check out your podcast because that sounds fun. I don't necessarily want to listen to something heavy, but this that sounds really great. Yeah, all in good fun and, and good motivation, hopefully inspiring people to play more. Now, we end each one of my uh, podcasts with a game. Do you do you want to try one of the games? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. All right, Kim. I surveyed 100 people, and I asked them to name a device people just can't figure out how to work. What do you think they said? Well, uh, it probably isn't on there, but the, there's the Apple Core Pear Peeler Slicer, which is one of my favorite devices. 
<laughs> That's a little too specific for surveying okay. the hundred people, though. What, what's about, a common? What an abacus. Oh, uh, an abacus. One of those. It's eccentric uh, as well, and no, uh, <laughs> nobody knows how to use that. Number one answer was VCR DVD player. VCR DVD player. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about this one? This one's more fun. <laughs> Name something cats and men have in common. Scratching. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, it's not on here, though. Got another guess? Uh, hairballs is probably not one of them. So, sleeping. A lot of Harry. sleeping. Just uh, napping. Uh, that Woo-hoo! is the number one answer. Love sleeping. Uh, we also have being lazy, sneaky, hairy, uh, finicky or stubborn, and like petting. Uh, so, all good funny. answers on that one. All right, last one. Uh, during a power failure, name something you can still turn on. <laughs> uh, your phone. Uh, your phone is on there. Nicely done. That's the number two answer. Flashlight ah, is one. the number one answer. Flashlight. Wow. There you Mike, go. That thanks was for fun, playing. Mike. It was, I really enjoyed this podcast very much. I really appreciate your time. You've inspired me. So thank you. Well, me too. Sounds like you already got it. So uh, I'll get off here okay, and let you go sounds play. Sounds great. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now. You.